The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. Support your healthy CoQ10 levels and blood pressure with two chews a day. Visit RadioBeatsBeets.com and save 15% with promo code DEAL. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. CannabisRadio.com proudly presents Grassroots Marketing. Each episode curates thought provoking dialogue with an exclusive class of thought leaders who will offer high end roundtable business strategies and solutions that seek to prune and harvest great ideas in each 30 minute episode. Thought leaders in the cannabis industry convene here to share some of their best practices and protocols. Let's chart the growth of this burgeoning industry, one of the world's premier cash crops, right now on Grassroots Marketing. Thanks for joining us. My name is Karen Canton, and welcome to Grassroots Marketing. Today on our show, I have Martina Jacarino, attorney for Black and Labello in Nevada, and Russ Cercissimo, co-founder for the Pennsylvania Medical Cannabis Society. Today, we're going to be talking about workers' compensation and several employee-related issues. Martina, I'm going to start with you. Why have employers and insurers been struggling with cannabis and employment issues for years? Well, it's important to remember that uh, medical marijuana has been known to provide pain relief for a really long time. And what happens with employers and insurers is that they have zero-tolerance drug policies, but at the same time, if an employee gets injured on the job, they want to show that that employee can get back to work and can function well. So the issue of uh, medical marijuana has been in the forefront in that area for a while because sometimes the employer and the insurer find themselves arguing that medical marijuana is a good way, a good treatment to get an employee who has, uh, you know, for example, a major back problem back to work. So cannabis treatment and other narcotics have been used years and years to to get people back to work. Is it covered by medical insurance? Very interesting question because, again, you find employers and particularly insurers kind of reversing their previous positions because they want the employee to go back to work, but another department of the insurance company company doesn't necessarily want to pay for the medical marijuana. So on the one hand, they'll use it to get the person back to work, but often insurers will refuse to cover medical marijuana, at least on the first round. When workers' compensation claims continue to be disputed, they will eventually go to court. And the New Mexico Supreme Court just in recent years, finally did a written decision on this matter in a case called Vail Pondo versus Benz Automotive. The employee had a serious back injury, and the insurer found that medical marijuana was the most effective and least impairing medical option for him to get back to work. But 
when their, the employees submitted the bills, they said, no, we don't want to pay for it. They argued that they shouldn't have to pay or rather couldn't pay because cannabis is illegal. They also pointed to New Mexico's medical marijuana program. They said that if the legislators had wanted the medical marijuana to be reimbursable, they would have said so in the statute. And since they didn't, the court should interpret it as not being covered. The ruling in that case, the court ended up finding for the employee for three reasons. First of all, they said there was no persuasive authority for the concept that because something is illegal, uh, it means it's not reimbursable. Uh, the court also found that there have been many signs from the federal government that they're not going to enforce anti-cannabis laws. And so, therefore, that was not an important issue to them. And then finally, they argued or they wrote that um, the public policy uh, consideration in the, in the workers' compensation statute indicated that the people really wanted it to be covered because they wanted so badly for it to be legal. So in that situation, the insurer made a couple different arguments but ultimately lost and, the ins and had to pay for the medical marijuana. Well, that's really a good thing for, of course, the cannabis industry. What is the other issue that comes up with cannabis? Well, with all intoxicating substances, including a pain medication, alcohol, anything like that, a lot of people think that if your employee is injured on the job and they come up positive on the drug test, that the injury is not covered. That's actually not the case in most states because in most states there's a public policy behind providing that financial safety net for someone who gets hurt on the job. In Desert Valley versus Hurley, which is an Arizona case, they looked at whether or not the employee was actually impaired. And that comes up in most states. The, the employer or the insurer, if they don't want to cover the loss, have to show that the employee's injury was either caused or at least contributed to by the fact that they were impaired. With cannabis, there used to be, for many years, the assumption that someone was impaired if they tested positive on a drug test. So in Desert Valley, that's what the employer argued. This person was impaired, so their injury is not covered. Basically, it's sort of like arguing it's their own negligence was the reason they got hurt. So what do employers do to measure the impairment? Well, many states have provisions in the statute that says that medical marijuana will be covered by insurance. Now, I can tell you that those statutes are going to be looked at in different courts because many insurers may very well take the position that the state legislature doesn't have the power to mandate that directly. The statute varies state to state, and yes, insurers and employers should actually look at the statute of their state to see if it says directly they have to compensate. We need to take a break, but when we come back, we'll be joined with Martina Jacarino and Russ Sersosimo. Grassroots Marketing will return after we generate traffic to our generous sponsors. Dr. Dabber, hurry, it's 
temperature is shooting past 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up. I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct. Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber, doctor's order. Less heat, <laughs> more flavor. Your connection to quality cannabis insurance services is spelled K-A-E-R-C-H-E-R. That's Karcher Insurance. We have worked with ventures like cannabis for over 60 years. We're proud to represent over 50 companies with tailor-made cannabis business plans for owners just like you to insure your product, your plants, and your pursuits. K-A-E-R-C-H-E-R spells out their full-service insurance services, ranging from commercial to bonds, to personal, from life to health, and more. Contact the team at KarcherInsurance.com and let our experience work for you. That's K-A-E-R-C-H-E-R Insurance.com. Contact Karen and the team at Karcher Insurance at 1-844-421-3560. That's 844-421-3560. We're back with more motivating marijuana monetization insights on grassroots marketing, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back to the show. We are joined with Russ Sersosimo and Martina Jacarino. Martina, we're going to go back to the workers' compensation, and then I just wanted to ask you a few questions regarding employers and employees. Can an employer test their employees? And if they can, what is the basis and and how how do they go about doing that legally? That's a really good question because a lot of people are still asking that question, particularly because there's been so much discussion about drug tests being invalid when it comes to cannabis. The answer to the question is yes, employers can still drug test their employees. Most employers of any size should and do have employee manuals that define their drug policy, and that is the place in the employee manual where the employer should tell the employee, we reserve the right to do random drug tests, we'll do drug tests if the following incidents, types of incidents occur. And there are usually little things that have to do with impairment. There are emerging arguments under the ADA and also about drug test reliability that you're going to start seeing activity in the courts where employees are challenging the employer's right to drug test, at least for cannabis, because there's so much medical use, and also because in most states, um, if an employee uses something like cannabis off the job, it wouldn't really be a grounds for termination. Uh, That varies a little bit, but uh, certainly it gets confusing because employers are used to being controlled, if you will, influenced by federal law. And federal law on cannabis is so different than most of the states at this point. So if you're an employee and your employer decides to have a random drug test and you have a medical marijuana card and you don't want to do the drug test, is there a way that you can get out of it? Or tell me the laws regarding that as an employee. Well, here in Nevada... 
the employee really should to get the protections of our statute and even have the potential of arguing for protection under federal law should actually initiate the process of interaction with the employer. If an employee has a medical marijuana card, he or she knows that she would test positive to a drug test. And therefore, to really try to utilize the protections, the employee would have to go to their employer with the card and let them know basically thereby triggering Nevada's specific provisions for protection of medical marijuana employees and also at least opening the door for certain arguments under the ADA, basically that an employer has to accommodate someone who has a disability. So it's considered a disability? Well, it's not considered a disability yet, but that is an emerging argument, even under federal law. But in a lot of states, and Nevada is one of them, medical marijuana program actually has a provision saying that you can't terminate an employee just because they have a medical marijuana card. That's interesting. So as an employer, say you want to hire somebody. Well, let's just say that you want to hire a lot of people for your location. Would you suggest that they do pre-screening and have a handbook that says if you do have a card that you have to go through certain uh, regulations? Is there something of that nature? And would you suggest as an employer to pre-screen everybody that's a candidate for a job? Well, that's a really interesting question because most, many employers do pre-screen. Many employers have to pre-screen under federal law, for example, the Department of Transportation. Anyone who has a job that's significantly defined by safety responsibilities usually has a pre-screening drug test, and that's been something that many employers have had for decades. The issue becomes difficult if the employer is contemplating having a special provision just for testing for cannabis. Like most employers already have some kind of policy in place. And if they don't, they probably should. But of course, if you are a cannabis entity, then you certainly don't want to seem like you're targeting people who use cannabis either for medical reasons or recreational reasons. Because obviously, politically, there's some strain there. I mean, most of our platform is that you can use cannabis responsibly and perform all of your daily responsibilities in all areas of your life. So it's it's a really tough question and it's different depending on if you're in the cannabis industry or not in the cannabis industry. If you're going to hire, as an employer, you're going to hire an employee and you know that they have a medical marijuana card, would you allow them or are there certain types of claims that you've seen or lawsuits that you've seen where they shouldn't be driving. And are there any claims that you know of or, or lawsuits? Well, there definitely are many jobs um, for which a cannabis patient is not appropriate because of driving. That goes into impairment. But when you talk about hiring and firing, you're really talking about employment discrimination in cannabis. Really interesting, a lot of people in the industry have heard of the the case called Coates versus Dish, like C-O-A-T-E-S versus Dish out of Colorado. This was, for our industry, a case where we really thought we could make headway for patient rights because Coates 
had worked for DISH for more than 10 years. He was a good, solid employee with no real discipline issues. He was a legal medical marijuana patient who only used on his free time. There was not really an allegation that he used medical marijuana during the workday. During a random drug test, his name was selected and he tested positive and he was terminated for that. Now, it's really interesting with employment discrimination in cannabis because the states do vary. The case law is instructive. And then there's the issue of the fact that most states are used to following federal law when it comes to discrimination. So in Coates, a lot of people in our industry thought that this would be a model case for showing that the positive drug test should not be a reason to terminate someone. The Colorado Supreme Court came out with their decision this year, surprised us because they stood by the employer. Employee had argued that in Colorado, medical marijuana was legal at the time that the incident occurred, which of course was years ago by the time it went through litigation and appeal. He had argued that because it's legal, cannabis use for medical purposes at that time was considered a lawful, a lawful activity. And in Colorado, they have a statute that says that an employee cannot be terminated for lawful activities that they uh, are involved in outside the workplace or during their free time. So the employer, of course, argued that it's illegal under federal law and it's also in their handbook that they have a, a zero-tolerance drug policy workplace. The court basically ruled on behalf of the employer saying that cannabis use, even for medical purposes, was not a lawful activity under the Colorado statute. So a lot of people in many states were looking at codes to be something of a landmark case. But the reality is that although the court ruled against the employee, their reasoning had to do only with Colorado law because Coates didn't raise federal issues. He didn't raise Colorado's version of the ADA. Like many states, they have state statutes that don't allow discrimination. Plaintiff's attorneys, frankly, aren't used to arguing under them because the federal law has, has the jurisdiction of that now. So what you're seeing is a whole development in case law. There's argument, arguments being made that have never been made before. And there will be other cases coming behind this one. And there are cases working right through the, through the court system. But Coates turned out the, the court basically dodged the situation of having the whole country looking to Colorado to answer this question by saying, we're only going to look at our state law. And our state law conflicts with federal law. And federal law occupies the field of narcotics which a lot of people in the legal industry understand that the federal law has the power to occupy, occupy a police field such as enforcement of narcotics laws. So, Thank you so much, Martina. We need to take a break, uh, but when we come back, we'll be joined by Russ Sersosimo, co-founder of the Pennsylvania Medical Cannabis Society. Grassroots Marketing will return after we generate traffic to our generous sponsors. 
Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Gondrepreneur.com, your guide to the cannabis business world. Gondrepreneur.com is a comprehensive resource for cannabis professionals and entrepreneurs. Download the Gondrepreneur app on your smartphone or tablet to catch up on cannabis industry news, scroll through our daily job listings, and learn about successful cannabis companies, executives, and investors. Gondrepreneur.com, helping Gondrepreneurs grow. Educator, author, and advocate, Dr. Mitch Earlywine is here to tackle the burning issues. And I'm here to clear up the myths about cannabis and burn them away with science. CannabisRadio.com presents a no-holds-barred platform that seeks to redefine and revolutionize the entire scope of the cannabis culture while opening the door for more to join the cannabis crusade. Dr. Kevin Hill. You can't ignore the fact that, like alcohol, most people who use don't have a problem. So I think that you need to think about policy in that way while educating people properly about marijuana. I think that's the way to go. Burning Issues, only on CannabisRadio.com. We're back with more motivating marijuana monetization insights on grassroots marketing, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back. I'm Karen Canton, and joining me now is Russ Ersosimo, co-founder for the Pennsylvania Medical Cannabis Society. Hi, Russ. Hi, Karen. Russ, uh, tell me how, how did the Pennsylvania Medical Cannabis Society come to be? In 2014, we had been doing a lot of advocating for the original medical cannabis bill, which was Senate Bill 1182. And we were approached by the Pennsylvania Senate, and they asked us to develop informational print material that would help educate citizens and lawmakers within the Commonwealth. After doing so, the feedback that we got from the leaders was that this gave the campaign legitimacy. So we were asked to continue to collaborate and help influence and also attract necessary resources that would help make for a successful medical cannabis program in Pennsylvania. So as you may or may not already know, the neighboring states of New Jersey and New York do not have the best laws in place. And the leaders behind our bill want to make sure that that same scenario doesn't play out in PA. So after we stepped up, we started to get a lot of calls requesting information, uh, medical professionals, legal professionals, future entrepreneurs that want to get into the industry as someone looking to dispense, cultivate, or process, as well as lobbyists and, and potential patients. So we had a tremendous response from volunteers as well that wanted to help get this over the finish line. It was at that point that we realized that we had an opportunity to put together an association that could really help educate every member that was involved in the upcoming industry. So we organized a team and set up an infrastructure that was capable of providing this education and other ancillary services for our members. And now a year later, we're 400 members strong and every day we're continuing to grow. 
Well, you guys are doing fantastic things. I hear about it all the time. And tell hmm. me now, what is the society doing? Well, education is the main thing. Uh, but besides that, we're advocating and lobbying for that workable house bill. We're also providing additional learning opportunities for members and, and anyone really that's looking to get into the upcoming industry here in PA. And we're doing that in a few different ways. Each month, we're having an event in one of the major cities here in PA. So we're bringing in medical cannabis professionals from other states to speak to crowds of 70 to 100 people. And these people that are coming are interested in seeking a license to cultivate, process, or dispense. Our last event drew about 100 people from all over the state and was an unbelievable success. So additionally, we're staging conversations between interested parties at local mixers and industry networking events. In particular, this, this, this month, we have in Philadelphia an event at Thomas Jefferson University that's going to start off with a book reading by Dr. David Cassaret, who recently authored the book Stoned. Now, Stoned explores the e- efficacy of medical cannabis settings throughout the country. Following that reading, we'll have a discussion with state senator and co-sponsor of Senate Bill 3, which is the new uh, medical cannabis bill that, that recently got through the Senate 40 to 7. His name is Dalen Leach, as well as Dr. Adam Sobel and one of our state's leading lobbyists, Stanley Rapp. Uh, that particular event's on the 21st of October, and it's going to really appeal to patients, healthcare providers, and also policymakers. And we encourage any interested party uh, to come and attend, and uh, they can do so by signing up at our website. One of the other things that we're providing for our members is is a concierge program. And this is, this is really neat in that this is going to help guide our members through the initial stages of the application process. And we're going to do that by providing gap analysis and consulting services to teams that are interested in actually chasing a license. At the end of this engagement with the concierge program, this team is going to know if they have what it takes to pursue the license and enter into the application process. And, and so far, the feedback has been at this, it's been ex- exceptional, uh, creating peace of mind for the members that are, that are taking part in it. So other than that, we're working closely with a leading online educational program to develop CME and CLE classes that'll be available to not only our members, but anyone really around the country that's interested in, con- in continuing their education in medical cannabis. Thank you so much, Russ. Uh, tell the listeners right now how they can get a hold of you via website, email? Go to our website, pamcs.org. We're also on Facebook and Twitter. We're pretty active on those sites as well. But they can, anyone can join uh, just by going to our website at pamcs.org. Excellent. Thank you so much, Russ. Thank you, Martina Jacarino. I'm your host, Karen Canton. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Grassroots Marketing. You can download episodes of our program by going to CannabisRadio.com or subscribing to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and very soon iHeartRadio. Also, you can follow the show on Facebook and Google. Thank you again. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited. 
need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.